0: Whoa. worshipper lover of learning all seekers after what is true all who seek a community of compassion and diversity come come to this place whoever you are though you've broken your vows a thousand times and you're too busy and you don't have time come Come to this place, whoever you are. Lovers of wisdom, lovers of humanity, lovers of beauty. Come to this place where a love we do not make surrounds us and lifts us and nurtures us. Come, come to this place, whoever you are. Ours is not a community of despair, but of hope. Not a place of judging, but of thanksgiving. Not a place of certainty, but of searching. Come, come to this place, whoever you are. Come, yet again, come.
1: Good morning everybody and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church and to this, our gathered community of Kensington Unitarians. We welcome you, whoever you are, however you are feeling this chilly, wet January morning, wherever you have come from, wherever, whatever you are carrying in your heart, whoever you choose to love, and however you identify yourself. Ours is an inclusive church, and you are welcome here. So let's take a conscious breath and know ourselves to be here now, with one another, connected with the loving God of our hearts and our understanding. Our chalice flame is lit One small, simple flame, reminding us that there is a oneness that includes us all. One light, one life, one love. It connects us with progressive religious communities the world over and shines a beacon of acceptance, encouragement and love. I forgot in my introduction to mention our visitors today, Alex Gowan-Cumber and Kat, his wife, and it's really lovely to have you here today, and since my voice is rapidly going I'm so happy you're doing the preaching, (laughs) and that your theological training is deeper than mine and you'll be able to explain it all to us. But maybe this story gives us a starting point. Be warned, it doesn't have a happy ending. It doesn't end at all well, this story of Sister Goose and the Foxes. Well, it doesn't end well for the goose, who frankly gets a roasting. (sighs) But the story does end well for one group. Now, any similarities between this story and our society are purely coincidental. But I can't help thinking, does it have to be like this? See what you think. So, imagine a nice pond, Sister Goose is swimming around on it, happy as could be. Now and then, she's ducking her head down to nibble a little bit of weed here and there. She took no more than her fill of these succulent plants. She knew that the pond belonged to everybody. Meanwhile, baddie about to arrive. Brother Fox was hiding in the willows at the far end of the pond, and he did not like to see anyone happy, least of all a goose. So Sister Goose swam along, enjoying the blue sky, chance would be a fine thing, and the bright sunshine. She swam along to the willows, growing at the far end of the pond, and all of a sudden, Brother Fox sprang right out of those willows, shouting trespasser, get off my lake. Sister Goose shrugged up her wings, looked at Brother Fox, mystified. Trespasser, how can that be? The lake doesn't belong to you, it belongs to everyone. But Brother Fox didn't seem to hear her, went on, on and on about her eating the weeds in the pond. They don't belong to you if you don't get out of this lake, I'm going to take you to court. Well, Sister Goose was perplexed. She knew she hadn't done anything wrong, but she could see the ugly gleam in Brother Fox's eyes. She knew she wouldn't convince him. So she said, well, I'm not afraid to go to court over this. At least there justice will be served. And so it was, they went to court, the Fox and the Goose. But when Sister Goose appeared at the courthouse, she was very surprised because the clerks, who sat just inside the front door, they were both foxes. And inside the courtroom she saw that the lawyers were foxes and the judge was a fox. And even the jurors, though some of them had red fur and some of them had brown fur and some of them had lovely silver fur, they were all foxes too. Sister Goose was quaking as she entered the defendant's box and sure enough, though her arguments were sound, the judge and the jury found her guilty and they convicted her and roasted her for supper. That is how it goes. There isn't much justice for the likes of a goose when the folks in the courthouse are all foxes. We join together and hold in our hearts the joys and concerns of our community members, knowing as always that they reflect the ripples outwards into a wider world. Spirit of life and love shining from within each of us, be here with us now and illuminate this, our time of worship. May insight and clarity shine through us, brightening our spirits and those all around us. We pray Though we may not always feel sure who or what we are praying to. Some speak of God or the great mystery of Lord or Goddess or the Divine. And some of us cannot put a name to something that is so vast and unknowable. But let's not be put off by this inability to name the nameless let us be able in quiet moments such as this to give ourselves chance to relate with something greater than ourselves (laughs) to relate with something that encourages us to be the best that we can possibly be and to make the best And the most of this gift of life that we've been granted in quiet moments such as this we can be honest about our own confusions and uncertainties those frightened wounded places within us in stillness let us think of ourselves with love Quiet moments such as this, we can remember those who we're finding hard to understand, those who confuse or even irritate us, those who are different. Let us think of them with love and commit ourselves to creating a world where people are accepted for who they are. In quiet moments such as this, we can send our loving thoughts and prayers to places and people in need the world over. This day, particularly, we might think of all who are struggling to be accepted. especially refugees struggling to find places of safety in an unwelcoming world. May the divine light that shines throughout the universe shine now on all those in need and may each of us find a way to bring greater understanding, greater love to our little part of the world, our one world. A world we share with all. <coughs> Amen. I heard this reading this week at Finthorn and I thought this is just perfect for what we're trying to say. But it's actually—I thought it was a bit complicated. I needed the words, so it's printed on your um, blue or even beige coloured. Um, hymn sheet, in case you, know, you fancy following along with it. It's called Marginal Wisdom by Leslie Takahashi. They teach us to read in black
0: and white. The truth is this, the rest false.
1: You are whole or broken.
2: Who you love is acceptable or not.
0: Life tells its truth in many hues. We're taught to think in either or. To believe the teachings of Jesus or Buddha.
2: To believe in human potential or a power beyond a single will. I am broken or I am
1: powerful. Yet life embraces multiple truths,
0: speaks of both and. We are taught to see in absolutes good versus evil, male versus female, Old versus young, gay versus straight.
2: Let us see the fractions, the spectrum, the margins.
0: Let us open our hearts to the complexity of our worlds. Let us make our lives sanctuaries to nurture our many identities. The day is coming when all will know that the rainbow world is more gorgeous than monochrome. That a river of identities can ebb and flow over the static, stubborn rocks in its course.
2: That the margins hold the centre. It really is a, a splendid joy and a privilege to join with you this morning. I think not least because I find myself not far from where your founder was many years ago when this place came into being. I'm what you call a a very reluctant Anglican these days. Um, An interesting and and curious journey through Quaker boarding school and Brethren College to, to training at Cambridge for ordination in the Church of England. A saving grace was that somewhere along that journey I realised that life was far more beautiful and far more complicated than most of the people who were in authority in most of the institutions that I'd been involved in wanted me to know or any of us to imagine. I had a wonderful respite in as much as I left a boarding school and ended up doing sixth form, or the equivalent of, in a, a theatre school in Marylebone, not a million miles from here. And I just remember vividly that first day when they wanted to do something wonderful to break the barriers down and uh, the teacher said A, B, A, B, made each one of us an A or a B, and then said, Could each of the A's find a B and kiss them? And somebody said, what about the people who are gay? And this is sort of in the late eighties and it sort of wasn't what the teacher was expecting, but she was quite a progressive sort. And she said, oh, well, uh, you better all find who you feel comfortable with and see what happens next. And there was this big messy sort of kiss-a-thong in the basement of the theater school. And I thought, wow. And it's extraordinary, looking back now, not really that many, you know, a couple of decades later, we sat, and I'm not going into the health benefits of this, we sat in our lectures and we smoked with our teachers, and we went to the pub with them, and and life seemed, just for a little while, ordinary and hopeful in in a way that I think maybe it should be for, for all of us. I haven't really got time to... Expand on that. It's going to be a snapshot of different things for the next kind of ten minutes or so. So when we were thinking about today, Jamie, Sarah, and myself, a, a quote came up. Diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. Inclusion in the context of divine love. Now, if a few years ago one of the big banks had the advert being the bank that likes to say yes, sadly so much of the various faith communities these days seem to represent the God who loves to say no. And you know, that's where I started to get myself in trouble with the jolly old Church of England, is that... I didn't really believe in the God who liked to say no, so when I got to my first parish as curate and people came and knew me and asked for things to happen, things to be blessed, relationships to be, you know, condoned, whatever, I, I just got on with it and uh, I didn't realise that Church of England curates weren't meant to take over the local gay nightclub and hold same-sex relationship blessings. Uh, until two or three years after i started doing this, when I got a letter from the bishop asking him, me to come and explain myself to him, which I really couldn't do, although he seemed to think that it was all a bit naughty and wrong. But the exciting thing has been that, despite the opinion of the church, if you truly seek to help people live life to the full and you believe that you can be a channel of divine love and blessing people will seek you out and you will find that you have a role in their lives and some people could never enter the doorway of a church these days or a place even like this because they've been said no to so many times I remember with fondness a couple who came to me approaching their silver wedding anniversary and it's strange because next year's our silver wedding anniversary and they said it's strange when we got married we used the book of common prayer service and and i promised to obey him and that's not how we feel at all about relationships anymore um I don't know if this will be okay with you, but we've hired a little chapel of a friend that's on their farm down on the Kent marshes, and uh, he's going to swim through the rivers for the day en route to find this place, and I'm going to arrive in a more civilised way, and we'd like to make our vows the other way round, and could you come preside over that? And I just think, wow, I think as things turn around, wow. You know what? I hate tick box exercises. There's never a box for me. I don't want to be a race, a gender, a sexuality, a a disability, a social class, or even be defined as a leather-wearing vegetarian full of contradiction and and contrariness. A lover of silence who gets hyper and talks too much. A lover of opera who occasionally craves synthesised electronic music. A lover of choice and freedom, who sometimes needs to give responsibility of decisions to others, and sometimes hopes others will do that for them. The Vatican Tango, the Vatican Tango, that's my story about the difference between being invited to the party and being asked to dance. In June, I had the most extraordinary experience of being asked to go and speak to the on Council for Culture, did you know such a thing exists, about theology and disability. And I managed to work with a bunch of 70 people with quite serious intellectual impairments. And we created, in the Vatican, a reworking of the Last Supper, all with cardboard silhouettes that told a story about inclusion. And after we'd done that, and quite a story behind that, we got invited by some Carmelite nuns to a party and it was a barn dance. And, and one of the most extraordinary moments of my life has to be being in the Vatican with a Carmelite nun stooping you into the middle of the dance. That was being invited to the dance. The next day we are in their convent for Mass and the chap who heads up Vatican stuff and disability came to preside over the Mass as a bishop and uh, just before people were about to receive the elements I thought maybe he was about to, you know, make me the Pope or something like that. He came wandering over to me looking all official and placed his hands on my head. What he actually did was pray a very long-winded prayer, thanking the Divine for my disability and the work that we've been doing at their conference. before stopping praying and then explaining to the congregation how I wasn't a, a Catholic and neither were some of those who'd been working with me, so unfortunately we couldn't participate in the, uh, the Holy meal. Um, hmm. That to me is um, the difference between uh, being invited to the party and being asked to dance. We can't change the Vatican or even the Church of England, but... See, I spent a decade and a half in very ordinary Chitteringham Parish Ministry, but then a very bizarre and maybe necessary thing happened, I um, already had quite a complex disability but I was taken ill and taken into hospital and during emergency surgery my heart stopped and I effectively died and had to be restarted again. And I awoke the following morning to find in the surgeon who had basically brought me back to life alongside me, telling me how he didn't think that moment was going to come. So I'd had life, I'd had death, I'd had resurrection. I was in hospital and the church had been pushing this concept of early medical retirement for a while. They uh, found me a bit dodgy and wanted to get me out of the way. Now, I've actually decided for myself in that moment <coughs> of finding that I was alive, that actually, a bit like the chap who left Yorkshire and came to set this place up, um, yeah, leaving what I've been doing was very, very good idea. And I have never seen a man's face light up as much as the bishop's face lit up when I said, I'd like to explore medical retirement. How do I resign from this parish? You know, it's, uh, it's a bit like that thing that happened in Canterbury all those years ago, who will rid me of this troublesome priest, you know? <laughs> and uh, suddenly I can do all the things that I'd always really, really, really wanted to do. It's like that cry of freedom in Braveheart, and I don't know exactly where it's going to take me yet could be somewhere like this. It could be totally beyond the church. I must admit, the church for me is sometimes just sitting in the festival hall and having a cup of coffee and watching the joy of creative people. But that was my passion, art and, and the creative arts in general. And what could I do with those things? And so I kind of retrained. How do you be a priest without a parish and without naming God? Foolishly, I trained as a life coach with an organisation that equipped you to work with people who were neurologically different, because I realised long ago that I'm differently wired. So people with Down syndrome, people with the complex forms of autism and things like that, And, and I stepped out. And then I was given my first person to work with. She was extraordinary. She was in her first year at university and she was a selective mute but had stopped speaking altogether and it was making life complicated. We spent three months drawing pictures and passing them backwards and forwards to each other on bits of paper and we formed some sort of bond of communication and then I discovered that she played the piano And then we spent some weeks having a conversation with the piano. She would sit at the far, the bass end, and play some grumpy notes, and I would sit at the high end and kind of respond. And her mother, who sat in the sessions, would start to cry as she realised that there was this communication taking place. And then you know what happened after these three months? One day, she stood up and she spoke, and she'd worked it out. And my job was over. I think her mother's job had just begun because there was rather a lot to be said at that point. But that was ministry. That was doing the will of God without the baggage of the church. And spurred on by that, I managed to get involved in some work in a residential complex for um, people with Down syndrome and I was given four people in their 50s and 60s who were all in a state, they'd all been in a kind of home that had got shut down because it wasn't being run as it should have been run, and ended up somewhere, quite frankly, that wasn't an awful lot better. And it was something came to me um, about the calm after the storm, and it was a bit like that bit in the, uh, the film The Dam Busters, where they've kind of got the fake, po- you know, river, and they're setting up the toy bouncing bombs and whatever. I set up this big thing up the middle of the kitchen in this home with lots of baking trays and watering cans, and we recreated a thunderstorm. And as the thunderstorm took place, something happened to this chap who was then aged about 65, who hadn't spoken in a a very long time. And there were some art materials that were put there. And he picked up a paintbrush and some red paint and he drew what turned out to be a car crash that had taken place when he was seven years old in which his dad and his brother had died. He'd been sent to live with a sister who couldn't cope with the complexities of his disability. She was young, his needs were complex, and she'd sent him to live in residential care. And and he lived, sort of literally dumbfounded by the situation, for the next 50 years or so. And something happened in that moment of that recreated thunderstorm where he was able to start communicating with brushstrokes and that's part of my story of what's happened since I left the church. I have bought a little bit of literature that explains how I do that work with people on that spectrum. Um, And if you know anybody like that, please feel free to take a leaflet afterwards uh, because I'm still exploring what that all means and seeking out people like that to to work with. Um, Around that, lots of work around inclusion at every level, around exploring spirituality and around helping others explore their spirituality in new depths, which is sort of how I actually came here today, because I've done some work with Janine around the spiritual direction in the last year or so. So, on to inclusion and the charity, Inclusive Church, that I've been doing some work for for the last three years. Real inclusion is hard work. When I first went to a committee meeting of Inclusive Church, I thought, wow, it's going to be a room full of people who are all going to agree about everything and get on really well. Actually, that wasn't the case at all, because, again, it was quite an Anglican setup. set up, and just because somebody wanted to be included because of their race or their gender or their this or their that or their financial position or their disability or their ability didn't mean they actually have common ground with the other people sat around the table. In fact, what we dealt with was quite a lot of hostility and quite a lot of tension as we got to know each other. Um, we're, we're not a campaigning body, we're an educating group of church people who are trying to work it out um, through writing books and doing creative things, and just really that. So, real inclusion is really hard work. People who are personally or culturally not sure about us, a bit like that song that we were singing earlier. And sometimes, as i found out through my wider work, they just aren't words. I love beauty, and beauty comes in different forms. I love colour and creation, grand design and and minimal design. honesty combined with thoughtful disclosure or lack of it, we don't always have to tell everybody everything, but a world where we could and not be judged would be fabulous. I have a very simple belief about the divine. God is love, and where there is love, there is God. I have some more complex theological and philosophical beliefs, but you'll be glad to breathe a sigh of relief. Not gonna go into them today. One of the complex joys and frustrations of life when you live with a high degree of care support is the interconnectedness of who you are with those who support you. Your existing depends considerably on factors that are beyond your body and I've learned a lot through that. So back to God is love. Not God is the source of love or God is a definition of love, simply. God is love. It's the start of 2017. Yes, the year's a couple of weeks old already, but we have a blank canvas and we need to let go of searching for the words. We are at the party. This is it. But now is the time to be transformed as we are absorbed into a Glorious kaleidoscope of colour, a sea of bold black and white, an ocean of chocolate and velvet and leather, and all things that make us feel welcome, comfortable and accepted. Now, to dance meditatively in brush drinks meditate on true love. Love that absorbs all that needs to be absorbed into itself. Love that is robust and gentle, beautifully ugly with biting teeth and gentle lips. Love that is a divine who is in all and connects or the rhythm of the eternal, inclusive, embracing dance. The only fear needs to be the fear of fear itself. Possibly the monsters that terrify us the most are also needing to respond well to true, gentle love the wise yes that replaces the harsh no, along with the minor notes that need to be said so that we can enjoy life in all its fullness, the boundaries within love that make it robust, kind and elegant. I do rather like Jesus of Nazareth, whether that was a Jesus who lived in Palestine 2,000 years ago or a metaphorical Jesus beyond time and space. I quite like real ale, too. And I've found that Jesus of Nazareth and real ale have just one thing in common. This is probably a blasphemy that will really be the final nail in the coffin with the judge. But you know you know, if you go to the pub, and you like a pint of ale, and then you have another, and maybe you have another, sooner or later, the. Uh, landlord's going to tell you that you've had enough and just when you're really getting into the spirit of the party and enjoying yourself you're going to be asked to leave the irony being that the product that you've spent your hard earned income buying from the landlord is the product that's had its effect on you doing what it was designed to do and you're going to get asked to leave the pub you can see where I'm going with this if you take the metaphor of Jesus of Nazareth and you put some of his philosophy into place in your own life, the irony is that sooner or later you're going to find yourself at great odds with some of the institutions who claim to be custodians of his teaching. And that's why places like this, denominations like yours, are so precious because they're giving the time and the space and the beauty to say yes to love in the midst of a hostile world that so often wants to say no. One day, perhaps, if we can hold to a vision, temporal, and eternal. Life can happen on earth in the here and now in all its fullness. Access issues of body, mind and spirit are replaced by rich and diverse ways of being. Now I painted something yesterday but I'm going to ask Katia to just show you now to give you an idea of what I'm going to ask you to do now and need a bit more time, so during the coffee time after the service. Um, um, I've called this Storms Over Inclusive London and it's simply uh, paint which is an array of colours and brushstrokes and complexity going in different directions, some, some with brushstrokes and some with just strokes of the finger. And I'd like you... I'm going to give you this to keep as a congregation. You can use it as a drink stand or whatever you want to do after i have gone. But there's a little story there, Storms Over Inclusive London, for you to have and to think about. And what I'm going to do is say, let's approach this 2017 blank canvas as, as a group of people. And I want each of you to think <coughs> reflectively of, of a color. Pick a color. Pick a brush. There's various brushes in different shapes and sizes. And simply put, some of that color onto the brush and add one or two simple strokes, simple lines or shapes to the canvas. Let's bring it to life as a representation of who we are, our colourful dance of inclusive yes.
1: So ours is the task of bringing gentleness and peace to our own lives and through us to our world. In the week ahead, let us be thoughtful in our thoughts, in our speaking and in our actions, knowing that each of us makes a contribution in building a world of greater love, a world where all are welcome to the dance and to the feast that is life itself. Amen. God well and blessed be.